Okay, everybody, welcome to the Mind Hunter Companion podcast. My co host is Peter, and I am Doug. Today we are doing season one, episode seven. Welcome, Peter. Welcome, Doug. Um, and we have to begin with our uh, Dennis Raider Graham. Um, and uh, this, you know, Raider is escalating in these little vignettes. By the way, the guy who plays Dennis Raider, I bet he, I bet this was a good gig for him. You know, he didn't have to do a lot of work, but he's in every episode. <laughs> um, and we see Dennis Raider preparing a rape kit, essentially, like the outfit he's going to wear. He's got guns, gloves, tape, like he's getting ready. He's definitely an organized dude. He, well, he's, he's very he's, organized. He's always working on something yeah. every episode, diligently. He would, no, he would have gotten away with it if he hadn't kept writing to the police and the media. Yeah, he's like Mr. Busy Bee. Yeah. He's like the Busy Bee horrible serial killer. You know, um, the, this, this episode is called Season 1, Episode 7, but it, it really could be titled, They're Not All As Fun As Ed Kemper, is what I think it really <laughs> should be called. Because we... The centerpiece of this episode is is their trips up to Salem, Oregon to meet Jerry Brudos, right? On the other hand, if you have a shoe fetish, this could be a really entertaining <laughs> episode. This actually, I have to tell you, I think that this is so far my favorite episode of the season in some ways. Like, I know it's not as fun as as the episode where we meet Kemper, but there is so much development in this episode. I don't know. Like I really, really enjoyed this one. This episode was directed by Andrew Douglas, who I hadn't heard of previously. Yeah, he's uh, like the next. On, I looked him up on IMDB, but not a lot of stuff there that I had seen. Yeah, this episode, there's a lot of um you're starting to see sort of chinks in the investigators' personal armor. So they're they're starting to get a little things are getting under their skin. Right, and, and 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 it's not just you know they they talk about it, but they also show it, and you really see uh, you really see Bill starting to crack. Yeah. Um. So, but Jerry Brudos, uh, the king of souvenirs, uh, is not at all like Ed Kemper. It turns out, and uh, he is um, another huge, imposing guy who kind of has a little bit of his own game in mind. Yeah, he's denying everything when they talk to him. Even things that they absolutely have proof of him for, right? And he's also he's also kind of not up for everything that they want to do with him. And for example, when they first get in there, you know, after a little bit of discussion of the um the tape recorder, you know, Holden launches into the script that Wendy has put together and Bruto snores and they realize very quickly they have to abandon the script, yeah. right? Which gets them into trouble with Wendy later on. But, you know, with a, with a, essentially like a, a sound effect, Brutus is able to derail them completely <laughs> off of their plan. Yeah. And if you think that was bad, Wait, 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 well, what's coming up? Brutos, Brutos is super creepy in an, a sort of predictably creepy way, as opposed to, um, you know, Ed Kemper is very creepy in a way that catches, it sort of caught me more off guard because he's so cooperative. Brutos is clearly sort of, he's just playing a game and he's basically 
it doesn't he doesn't care if what he's saying is ridiculous like if he's denying the obvious truth and the obvious events that happened in a, in a completely implausible way he doesn't care he knows he's already in prison he's going to be there forever and what are they going to do to him you know so he he just plays the game just to basically just for entertainment's sake right have some fun at the expense of the fbi agents um he denies killing laura sullivan uh who was selling encyclopedias door-to-door even though they know beyond any shadow of a doubt that he did it in real life by the way laura sullivan was laura slauson and his is he says that he was set up by the 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 police department Right. right, and then they show him a photo that his reflection with, like, her body is in the photo, like his his reflection, right? With exactly. Corpse. Right. So, um, and that's really, you know, that's Bill who does that. Like Holden essentially flops with him, and the way that you no know, Holden was a big success with Camper, Holden really flops with Brutus, and it's Bill who is able to engage him with talk of cameras. Uh, and photography, and then he shows him the picture of the hanging woman um, and shows him, like, look, that's your face reflected in the mirror on the ground. Um, And, uh, you know, Bill kind of, you know, Bill's aggressive approach pays off better with Brutus than it ever did with Kemper. Yeah, it's like Bill is kind of signaling to him, like, you know, look, it's, we know you're playing a game it, it, here. We're not, we're not going to play. We don't, we're here for a reason. Maybe we but, can get you, you can get something out of it maybe. And then Holden, you know, plays his Trump card next time, I guess. Right. But, but Brudos is able to completely short circuit the two of them at the end of the yeah. first visit by saying Camper was right. You guys are idiots. And then they suddenly realize that maybe these guys are somehow communicating with each other. And if they are, the results of the study might be worthless. Right. And they're in separate states because Brudos is in Oregon and Kemper is in California. Right. He's at Vacaville. And um, so they don't, they have no idea how, you know, they basically say like, do they have a knitting circle? Although I do like the way that Holden is worried that Kemper might've called him a name, you know, like Holden cares what Kemper thinks about him. Yeah. (laughs) Um, There's a little bit of levity uh, where they're on the airplane and this guy for inexplicable reason wants the middle seat. (laughs) Yeah. It's one of the few kind of just straight up jokes in the series so far. Um, Right. And they, and, the guy's kind of like a jerk to them. Yeah, he's like, a nebbish. Uh, you know, yeah. he's kind of a real nebbishy I want guy. To the seat that my ticket says. I think I should sit in that seat. That, the seat that says on my ticket. I'm a very good <laughs> ticket reader. <laughs> you know, so, like, so Bill starts passing like photos of like yeah. dismembered limbs across. Yeah. Bill gives him right first. He gives him like a, a just a baleful stare, and then he gets up and gives him his middle seat. And then like as you know, they cut to like a half hour later, and they're like the flight is going, and they're they just start talking about the case and doing work. And Bill's like, "Look at this picture of this decapitated, you know, head, this decapitated body." And he's they're passing, and the guy just turns like right. seven shades of pale, a shoe and a high heel. Yeah. Um, by the way, yeah. uh, before we get too far from Brutus, Brutus is played by a guy named Happy Anderson, who you might remember from The Nick. He was Jimmy Fester on The Nick. Hmm. You know, he looks like John Goodman, kind of. A little bit. A little bit. A little more menacing than John Goodman. Although not as yeah. menacing as, I guess, as John Goodman in The, in the Big Lebowski. Right. Um, so, 
Wendy once again proves her worth. They get back to Quantico and Wendy listens to the recording of Brudos and she points out that Kemper confesses everything and Brudos denies everything. Right. You know, and and every I'm telling you, it's I love how every time they go back to Wendy, she pulls up something that they didn't think of. Like it's it makes her character just super interesting to me. And again, you know, Wendy I'm not saying that Wendy's like a serial killer, but like the serial killers that Wendy is studying, Wendy lives a double life. So right. she, she maybe has a different insight into their behavior. Right. In her secret life, she, um, you know, is super obsessed with feeding cats. And in her, in her public life, she, uh, you know, she, she tries to catch serial killers. <laughs> Um, you didn't like my joke. No. <laughs> How could I tell? Uh, <laughs> tell me more about that. Um, Wendy talks, by the way, she, I thought it was really interesting. Wendy explicitly talks about disguise, right? And she's in disguise. Anyway, I that it makes you think, it makes you wonder though, like, you know, every time they come back and, Wendy says something intelligent and they, you see them pause and think like, Hmm, that's, that seems about right. And then you just think, why is it, she really should just be going. Well, I wonder though, I wonder if the implication is she wouldn't be allowed in. She can't, I don't think. Plus she's, you know, she's because not, she's not an agent, right? She's not in law enforcement. Although I guess if she works for the FBI, maybe yeah. I'm sure there was a she way. She went to Altoona, but that wasn't a prison. She went to Altoona to meet with the DA with Holden. The implication is that somehow she either shouldn't or can't or, you know, I don't know if it's legal or it's just the fact that she's a woman and she's going in, you know, they probably, this is also, you know, 40 years ago. And I don't know if, uh, how much, how safe they considered it for a woman to go in there. I mean, maybe if she, you know, cross-dressed or something. <laughs> now that's a good joke. <laughs> Um, if she was more of, you know, like maybe Bulldike. So uh, Bill calls Brutos's wife, um, and he doesn't really get much from her, but he he is at least able to get the fact that she refers to him as Jer, which he tries to use um, in their next visit uh, to the prison. Uh, but we'll get to that in just a second. But first. Right, we have to do, we have to digress to Holden and Debbie go to none other than a shoe store, um, and right. Holden comes upon an idea. Do you want to elaborate on that? No, you go ahead. Um, oh. <laughs> well, Debbie's trying on shoes, and then he suddenly has. Oh yeah, yeah, that, that's right. That he can he can maybe lever Brutos a different way. Yeah, yeah, he sees these uh, like. Uh, very nice uh, black high heels on display, and there. And he asks what the largest size is. That's right, a size sixteen. I think it's actually a sixteen wide. That's pretty big. It is pretty big. Brother Brutus is a big dude. Um, so uh, they head back to prison. They give Brutus some cigarettes. He uh, does look fabulous in them, though. <laughs> Uh, and Brutus says his wife was 
unadventurous, which I thought was a neat concept, you know, like he sort of, the way that he describes his, his wife's response to his, uh, you know, proclivities, you know, she's the unadventurous one. It's all her fault. Um, and they, uh, so like they, they get at him pretty aggressively, both with the shoes and with the comments from his wife, like Bill refers to him as Jer, confirming to him that they did in fact talk to his wife, which I thought was really interesting. Right. They use the pet nickname. Um, and he says that he says Bruto says that he was always interested in shoes, even before he kind of understood why, which I thought was a really interesting moment. You know, like Bill and Holden are looking for a sort of a more simple explanation, and it actually turns out to be more complex. You know, like like um, like his mother sees him. Like his mother didn't wear heels. The mother finds that you know when he was a kid, he he was like hanging on to some shoes and the mother burned them. Um, but the school teacher was curious about him. You know, I thought that was interesting. Like he stole the first grade teacher's shoes. Yeah. And Wendy again is the one that comes up with the explanation. Right. Yeah. No, Wendy's really good in this episode. And then the, the scene ends with, uh, with Brutus jerking off into a shoe somehow. So we're with a shoe or into a shoe or on a shoe. Or you can't really tell. It's just back to the camera. And then, like Holden and uh, Holden and Bill realize that they, even this is a little much for them. <laughs> yeah, I think that probably is the most shocking thing they've seen to date, because the guy just he goes about you know eight feet away and just starts masturbating in front of everybody. Yeah, literally. <sighs> it was um, a nice shoe, though. We now shift gears to Wendy at home. I found it a little implausible that like hyper-reserved Wendy is walking around the building in her underwear. Barefoot. Uh, yeah, that I didn't buy. But, but we, we see her going down to do the laundry room. Um, and she, she takes it upon herself to feed a cat that she cannot see. She leaves a window open. Uh, and the, the open window into the night is supposed to look a little ominous, but it doesn't really uh, allow it anything more dangerous than a hungry cat. Um, and I was, you know, I was trying to figure out what the symbolism of the cat was. And I, I have to be honest with you, I'm not sure, because they, they devote a lot of time to Wendy and this cat, two big scenes. Yeah, I, I think the symbolism was the tuna fish. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But what do, what do you mean by that? Uh, no comment. Yeah. <laughs> Oh God! Um, so, at this point, I think that the the episode really kind of kicks into high gear, and really, a lot of the last third of the episode is focused on Bill and his wife Nancy and their son. Um, so we see a, a pretty tense dinner between Bill and Nancy out at a restaurant. By the way, I like the way that everywhere Bill goes, he's eating a steak. You know, like he's smoking nothing, a butt. Nothing but red meat. <laughs> yeah, he drinks, he eats steaks, and he has a cigarette <laughs> at all times. I love it. I love it. Um, and, you know, they have an interesting discussion about what it's going to cost for nancy to take uh their son to see sort of a, a special music. sort of therapist right music therapy yeah. virginia i think oh charlotte charlotte um, yeah charlottesville and yeah. and it 
a couple of things are revealed. One is that $45 um, an hour is way more than Bill is prepared to spend on his kid, although he's more than happy to spend it on himself in the form of a golf club, which he kind of makes a, a, an atrocious uh, effort to justify in front of his wife. And then we find out that Bill had gotten a, a recommendation on a psychiatrist months ago and never did anything about it because he doesn't want the kid to see a shrink. Um, which, like, that's, a, I think, a very telling scene. Like, he sort of recognizes that the kid needs help, but he's too stigmatized by the implications of actually seeing a psychiatrist. I thought that was really interesting. Like, Bill's kind of stuck in the middle there. Yeah, I think, well, it's it's like everything else. You know, Bill's still a product of, like, of the old FBI. And that's just another illustration of how deep that goes. <clears throat> but the next scene, like, literally the very next scene... You know, just you know, they they go ten miles out of the way to make Bill a regular guy, and then the very next scene kind of you know belies you know the fiction of that whole thing. They go home, and the babysitter is clearly rattled. And the babysitter reveals to them that their son had in his possession a photo of a tied-up woman who was presumably dead that he had somehow found. Crime scene photo, right? Hunting around in uh, Bill's office and she quits on the spot. And, you know, you can imagine it's not easy to get a, a babysitter for this kid. And then Bill really blows up. And I think it's the most emotional we have ever seen Bill in the entire show. And it all sort of tumbles out of him as he's showing his wife, the crime scene photos of the victims, how, how much he is shouldering and how the work is getting to him and he's starting to buckle under it, right? In addition to everything that's going on at home, all right. I think about all day long is mutilation and dismemberment and rape and murder. Right. Like I think it's Holt, uh, Holt, the actor who plays him, I think it's his best scene so far that we've seen in this entire season. I mean, like, you know, it's his version of exploding. And, and the wife, who just, you know, a minute before was red-faced and angry at him, realizes that there's bigger things afoot than she realized. And she doesn't, you know, she doesn't abandon her arguments that she was making when they were fighting, but she shelves everything in the face of Bill being so emotional, which you can imagine she never sees. Yeah, she's, she's really super nice to him i mean she just is supportive you know she hugs him that's it yeah and, um and then then that then the last then the, the last scene is with uh holden and, and the girlfriend right isn't that right after that uh there's one there's one other thing before we get to that is we cut back to the basement <clears throat> and Bill notices uh, nautical knots in the Fairfield case in one of the crime right. photos. And he calls the local cops and sort of points that out to them. So that'll, I assume that that's going to play off down the road. But there is a little bit of a shot there. And then we sort of... Uh, oh, the other thing Bill points out is he mistakenly, you know, he, he makes a... Um, he takes notice that that Holden seems so unaffected by the misery that, you know, because Bill's clearly in a bad mood 
from the previous night. And <laughs> Holden worse than <laughs> usual. Yeah, I mean, Holden, you know, says something like, "Well, somebody got up on the wrong side of the bed," you know, and then he goes back to transcribing his interview, or whatever he's doing, and he's clear, which he's clearly pretty into. And um, um, Bill makes a comment that you know, how can nothing? Nothing gets to that guy. I wish I was more like that guy. He sort of says to Wendy. Right. And then we find out how wrong. You know, <laughs> yeah. Right? right. Everybody's feeling it. Um, so, so uh, Wendy apologizes to Bill, by the way, in that scene. Like she kind of, she backs down a little bit. And then we cut to Holden and Debbie at a dinner where he half jokingly proposes to her. Right. He's very um, complimentary of her. Right. And then they they cut to a, a really kind of complicated scene where there's a lot going on in there where they go back to her apartment, you know, her her exams are done. She's she's kind of free for the semester. And uh they start to get into it and she pauses, runs out of the room and comes back in black uh underwear and high heeled shoes, which which, you know, takes Holden completely out of the moment. And he's focused on these shoes. And all of a sudden, he's thinking about Brutus and killing. Um, and he he's thinking about the Debbie fetishistic. Life. Yeah. Right. And he, the, he just aspect really, of the whole outfit. And he can't yeah. really accept Debbie in this light. And he rejects her. Um, yeah. I mean, he doesn't. He, he doesn't sort of deliberately i think he just he starts to get upset well um, and, and and he says it's you know it's not the real you and she says that's the point yeah yeah that was a pretty brutal comeback but it's also like it's, uh, it's, it's true. i think this scene is the counterpoint to bill and nancy right where he's showing her the photos like it shows you that like you know it, it the minute he sees those shoes he's totally out of the moment and he's done like he's not interested in her that way anymore and it's, it shows you that even Holden takes this stuff home with him, and, and there's a price to be paid for swimming in these waters. Right. And that's a big theme of the episode. And um, he just, I think he's a little behind Bill, maybe, in realizing how, because he's so enthusiastic about what they're doing. But this is the first time I think he starts to maybe see that there, right, there's a price that he's taking his work home with him. It's not easy. But, you know, to go back to something I was saying earlier, I mean, this is Holt McCallany's, I think, best performance in the show so far. I mean, like, yeah. we, we learn more about Bill in this episode than we have in the prior six episodes, which I think is really, really interesting. Well, I think we see, we see Bill's vulnerability, whereas in all the other episodes we've seen Bill maybe worry and we've learned something about his personal life and his family life. And we've learned he's close with his wife. We've learned about his autistic son, but we haven't seen anything really bug him or really get under his skin. And this is the first time that you see that and it makes him uh, much more sympath complex and sympathetic, um, and, you know, rounded and, uh, you know, uh, whole McCallany does a great job by in making you feel, feel that emote that sort of with by watching him go through it and you know i love the way that like bill is you know like kind of like 
like you know, this haircut and the way like his clothes are cut. Like he's just like a bull, you know, like he's just like yeah. an angry, pissed off bull. He's a fed, you know, yeah, like an but, old school. So, but it's, fed. it's but the thing is, you know, like it's it means a lot more to see the bull get upset. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like to see Holden get upset because he's you know he's Mr. Sensitive. Yeah. It doesn't have the same impact as seeing Bill get upset because you know you don't expect it from him and his character isn't drawn that way. And then and you know Holt McCallany doesn't look like that kind of guy. You know, like like Bill is more like still waters run deep. You know, like it yeah. took it took the, the the event with the babysitter and the bad dinner with the wife and the, the trouble with the kids sort of all flaring in his face at once to get Bill to let his guard down just for a minute, you know, but it shows you that like Bill's got emotions just like everybody else, you know, but he's just better and more acculturated to suppressing. Yeah. And I think the only thing, because I think as you astutely said, you know, uh, Holden is, is more sensitive. Uh, he's more easily sort of affected by, um, emotional tone, let's say, but the only thing that's maybe a little more disturbing right at the end of the episode is that I think that Holden thinks about the fact in a meta way that he got upset, uh, that he was getting upset for the first time. I think before he could, would re, maybe he's reactive, but he doesn't think in a meta way about the fact that he's reacting to stress around him. He just thinks about the thing that bothers him. And I think this time he, it's sort of, there's a suggestion that maybe he he realizes what is happening to him. You know, that that this is a, is a big problem. I mean, his, his girlfriend is beautiful and basically puts on this incredibly sexy outfit. And all kidding about, you know, Jerry Brutus and his shoes aside, I mean, it is a, a very uh, appealing outfit, let's say. Oh, yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, you know, Wow. Uh, and it's this, I, I you know, think Debbie is super pretty. I, I mean, all the women in the show are severe looking in one way yeah. or the other, but uh, I think she's super pretty. No, I mean, she's, she's, and they, they're, the scene is, is, is not a very short scene. So they really sort of build to them. Um, you know, they're, it's a big makeout scene basically. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and she's, you know, got a beautiful body and she's dressed up and, and, um, you know, they're trying to really make it seem quite abnormal. Um, it's abnormal enough that Holden, it makes Holden sort of pause and think about what the situation, you know, what it means for him to get worried about that. I think, you know, but you know, it makes, it makes me think that John Groff maybe has less range than Holt McCallany as an actor. You know, no, like, no, like very I, short scene though. No, I know. But I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, again, uh, you know, the guy who plays Bill is older and he's been an actor longer, but you know, um, you've seen American sniper, right? Yeah. So I don't know if you remember, but John Groff has a, a, a small but memorable scene in American sniper. Um, he's the guy who runs into, the main character, um, at like a, it's like, a, I don't know, it's like at a vet or something. And he, he's like, Hey, 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 you're uh, that guy. You saved me in Fallujah. And he pulls up his pant leg and he shows him that he's got a metal leg. 
and mm. and it's sort of a moving scene because <clears throat> what's the American sniper character's name in real life? Chris something. Yeah, I can't. Chris remember. Kyle. Right. Uh, and he has no memory of saving this guy. And this guy, yeah. re- he, this guy tells him, like the guy that Groff is playing, he retells him the story of how he saved all these guys, including him. And I think he even says, like, you carried me out. And, you know, Chris Kyle has no memory of this. But if you watch that scene on YouTube, there's no difference in the way that John Groff plays that character than the way that he plays Holden Ford. It's it, hmm. all the same mannerisms, exact same thing. Like, like it just made me realize, like you know, maybe you know, Groff is the first name in the credits, but maybe in some weird way he's not the star, you know, or he's not the breakout. Let's put it that way, hmm. you know, because he was on Glee too. I'm pretty sure John Groff he was on Glee, but I kind of get the sense that, uh, um. That Holt McCallany, you know, he he probably had a lot more B roles over the years until uh, until he got a real A role like this. Yeah, well, so far Cameron Britton as playing Ed Kemper is the biggest breakout of the series. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's funny because, mega. but you know, it it reminds me a little bit of Entourage, and I think we've talked about Entourage offline a little bit. But yeah. in the same way that you know, if you watch Entourage, you know, like if you just watch an episode or two, you think it's about Vince, but it's not. Right. It's really about E. You know, he's like, the he's central the character star of the show. In the same yeah. way that, like, you could be forgiven for thinking maybe this is really just about you know Holden, but you know, as the show goes on, I don't know. Like, Bill, Bill commands a lot more of my attention, and I won't lie to you. To be completely honest, you know, I identify with Bill a lot more than I identify with Holden. You know, like the middle-aged guy dealing with his middle-aged problems. Like to yeah. me, that's interesting. So. Although I do love, I think uh, Hannah Gross is great as Debbie. Um, I thought this was just a super strong episode. I think that um, uh, Happy Anderson was great as Brudos. I think, uh, I still don't understand what the hell's going on with the cat, but it was interesting. Um, And I think that all the stuff with uh, Bill and Nancy and Holden and Debbie in this episode was was really really like interesting character exploration i don't know i thought it was i think this is one of the strongest episodes mm-hmm. yeah it um, is good yeah and then again uh, interesting this was directed by uh again by someone i never heard of so uh no disrespect to andrew douglas but i hadn't heard of any of your stuff before this it looks like it's mostly allison moyer music videos and some horror stuff so uh Hats off to Andrew Douglas for putting this one together. And also a story by, we should just point out, story by Joe Penhall, teleplayed by Joe Penhall and Jennifer Haley. Yeah. Um, and Andrew Douglas directs uh, episode eight coming up, so that'll be good to see and analyze again. And then nine and ten are both directed by Fincher, so we'll sort of bring it back to the beginning of the season from a directorial point of view. Should we wrap there? Yep. We'll oh, wait, the, the email. <laughs> Yeah, the official it, part of the show where I can't remember the email, and you have to say yeah, it's, it's uh, and I forget every time. It takes me like you know another fifteen <laughs> seconds to come up with. So it's mindhunter dot dot companion at gmail dot com. All right, give us a shout. Uh, we've gotten uh, we've been flooded and overwhelmed with emails, but we always have room for more. <laughs> <laughs> All right, should we wrap there? Yep, see you next time. All right, thanks.